0: Just mention quickly for you parents, there's no uh, primary church this morning. So our children will be with us here today. Um, We've come to a very important passage, but before we start. um, Ministry. Ministry is is tough, and uh, right now this is a very tough time. We found out. Um, early this morning and uh, I I made it this way so that I I wanted to bring it rather than just pass it to Kevin for prayer time. But um, we had a man commit suicide last night. And um, some of you might know already, you might have heard in Sunday school. Um, And kind of like what Kevin said, you know, you, you... Try to connect with guys and uh, share with them and find out where they're at. And uh, Xavier was here probably three Sundays sitting right over here. And um, he, he chose to end his life last night. And we need to pray for his daughter, Margaret. We need to pray for the other family members. We need to pray for uh, Kenny Tedford and the the staff at at Tedford Tire. Kenny's been on the phone with family and and, um, dealing with it already. We want to be praying. This is, uh, no matter how you try to deal with it, it's very difficult. Um, And I wanted to mention that now. Uh, This is a weird time, you know, to... Um, have to deal with this kind of thing i i didn 't want to tag it on at the end of the message um, but it, it's just it 's even hard to pray um, in sharing in sharing truth with him and in trying to share about the gospel of Jesus Christ with him um, i don 't know what he ended up Taking or deciding, I, I don't know. And I, I want to be careful in how we handle this, especially in this very moment, not to um, uh, do any kind of manipulation, if you will, with it. We just need to um, remember that life is very, you know, some people can't handle it. And then others handle it in different ways, and we struggle. And I want to just say the encouragement that um we can continue to show as a body of believers will be very important, not just in light of this but as we go on through life it's It's just so important you don't know what someone's dealing with i don't either, and you know we we assume everything's fine, you know we play our, you know we we keep people at a distance you know a lot of times and don't want to. Share what is really going on. But um, just know that um, you can be, you Christian, you can be an instrument in God's hands. And you you don't know exactly what effect you'll have. That's probably a good thing. (laughs) Because a lot of times it just leads to pride kind of sneaking back up again. Um you know we don 't have to go into you know the big city to hear all the bad stories. you know we want to we want to be alert here in in our community in Fallon, the people who are hurting and folks listen. the answer is not in trying harder. The answer is not in being better. The answer is in Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ. You need to understand that. Let's pray. Lord, we, we really need your help. And I need your help. I pray that you would be glorified in our time as we look into your word. And I pray that you would help each one of us to really want to listen to you and hear from you and encounter you now. Dear Lord, I pray that you would please help uh, Margaret and the other family members. I pray that you would, uh, in your wonderful way, dear Lord, show yourself mighty to save again and help bring comfort and peace to this family. Lord, we pray that we say it often. We know it's a principle from Your Word, but would You take these ashes and turn it into beauty? Lord, please uh, help us to be a loving and encouraging, and loving and encouraging body of people, a, a group of people that love You and lift You up, and help us to be faithful to Your Word and to love Your Word to live it and have you help us live it out in our lives because we need your help thank you that you are the good shepherd thank you that you are the faithful one and uh, we don't have to understand everything but please uh, be near to Kenny and his staff at the, at, at Tedford Tire um, and uh, especially Margaret We pray for her that you would please uh, do your good work in her life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, 1 Timothy chapter 3, press on, we will. We need to look at what is here and... um, recognize where we're at in first Timothy. I, I just am wanting to say way to hang in there with us. We're kind of in the middle of the letter. For those of you that are visiting, we're going through the the letter of first Timothy. And like Paul does so often in his letters, we have a bit of a, a mountain peak that we're on right now in first Timothy three. We've arrived at the Literary mountain peak of 1 Timothy. He's talked about the issue of behavior in worship as he's built up in chapter 1 and 2. And then in 3, talked about the elders and the deacons and the qualifications there. And that is something that we need to remember. Maybe you'll never ever be a, a deacon or an elder, but this is a pathway of maturity that you must be on, that you must partake in and walk in. It's not just for, oh, the elders or the deacons. No, it's for every Christian to be walking in this way of uh, growth and maturity, okay? And that's what the qualifications we're talking about. And and the qualifications really show forth the, the character of the growing Christian, Okay? So in this introduction, and you can follow along in the outline in your bulletin, if you'd like, um, Paul's primary purpose of writing this letter is found right here in, in chapter 3, 14, 15, and 16. And it's really in verse 15. Look at it. Verse 15, he says, in case I'm delayed, I write to you. He wanted to go to Ephesus, but he says, in case I'm delayed, I write this to you, So that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God. There it is. There's the mountain peak of 1st Timothy. That you will conduct yourself. That you will behave yourself. So, two critical issues that come up. And this is, uh, fill in the blank time. Two critical issues is our behavior and our belief. And many of you have heard that in the past. It's, um, here's our conduct. And our creed. Okay? Here's our, our duty and our doctrine. Okay? So here it's our behavior and our belief. They go together. They must go together. Okay? And what happens is that, you know, this is how Paul builds his message. Not just here in First Timothy, but he does this uh, consistently throughout other letters in the New Testament. Behavior and belief. How's your behavior? And especially young people, this is really important and helpful for you to understand because your behavior is needing training and discipline. Young people, children, you need training and discipline. It's not that mommy and daddy or or Sunday school teacher or pastor are perfect at all. Not, No, that's not the point, but... There's the issue of training and disciplining in your life. Okay. So that behavior will get more and more focused and, and be able to say, yes, here's where behavior comes from. Belief it comes from belief. Confessing Jesus as Lord is to result in conduct that indicates belief. That belief. You say you believe then your conduct in life, your behavior in life, ought to have a strong connection to what you say you stand on. People, you know, Paul calls us to godly behavior on the basis of people belonging to the family of God. You say you're a child of God, you believe, you, you're a Christian, then that needs to show itself in godly behavior. He says, the household of God, we're going to look at that and st- try to understand that so it's because one can say that he is a child of god that's my identity that's if you're saying i'm a child of god that's your identity now we have to get come back to this issue again how do you know you're a child of god is it because you're demonstrating good behavior is that because you, you, is that why you say you're a child of god you're a christian because of your good behavior you're wrong You need to understand you're wrong if you're basing your confession of faith on the fact that you're good or you do good things or you're a good person. That's wrong. It has to be based in something totally different. It has to be based on the fact that here's the work of Christ at Calvary some 2,000 years ago where he died as a sacrifice for your sins. And you've put faith in him And if that is truly happened, you put faith in Jesus Christ. Now he says, here, here's my righteousness, right? My righteousness is now yours. It's credited to your account. There you go. Now start living in the power of God's Holy Spirit. Live as a child of God. Okay. So behavior and beliefs, they go hand in hand. It's not because of our behavior that we are saved. It's because of what Jesus did. And when you have faith in him, that gives glory to God. Not glory to me. Not glory to you, right? That's, that's the beauty of faith is that you put faith in what Jesus did. And now this is glory to God because it's pointing to him. Okay? Okay. And so now my behavior lines up in that way and tracks along with that kind of a life uh, of of a belief. So we want to look at this now because I've said this is the mountain peak of 1 Timothy. So let's look at this and break this down. Number one in your outline is in his household. When the church shines brightest. That's the title of the message. And I know I've used that kind of... um, Uh, motif in the past but this is again so helpful when the church shines the brightest is when we understand the church is his household not where we um, have social events etc etc it's his household okay and the word here let's look at this in verse it starts in verse 15 I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God. And it's from the this term household is from the root word oikos and that's the simple word of home. Okay? Not a house, but a a home. And that's the point of it when he says here's the household of God. He he could say and maybe some of the translations say this, here's the family of God. Here's how you ought to conduct yourself because you're in the family of God. Okay? And this household is the idea of belonging to God. Oikos is followed by fe'u, which is a possession. It's the the term for God, but it's in a possessive uh, condition there. The household of God. It's his. Okay? So it's rich with meaning. And it indicates... Here's what you can fill in. It indicates a relational lifestyle. It indicates relational. You weren't saved just to say give you a place in heaven. And a lot of people think that. They live that way. That, oh, yeah, well, I'm saved, but no, I don't need to go to church. And I, I know I'm preaching to the choir. I get that. <laughs> okay. And God bless you in faithful attendance and faithful um, service and faithful giving. All those things. God bless you. See, a lot of times we'll hear of because this is uh, uh, here we are in America and we kind of like like to take our consumerism and move it into our Christianity. And say, well, you know, sit back and, and kind of be critical and, and Not critical in a bad way, mind you, but just critical, you know, and, and, you know, make these comments and and figure out, you know, well, I I like this and I like that and I don't like this. And, and we, we let that, uh, we let that go too much. We need to understand, you know, do you know what a family's like? Most of you do. You understand that. I shouldn't say most, all of you do. Yet in America, we see more and more of broken families. God doesn't have a broken family. And so we need to understand what it's to be like in his family. And as a part of his family, you know, it's like we don't choose to be in his family. John chapter 1. Mark it down. John chapter 1, 10 through 13. He says, he was in the world and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Who were born not of blood they were not born of the will of the flesh, nor were they born of the will of man, but they were born of God. That's how a person gets into the family of God. And that's a mystery. Because earlier, didn't you just read, Woody, that to all who received him, isn't that a choice? Yes. And yes, he, he did the, the birthing. He did the life. He brought about the life. It's both. Here's this business of receiving. I, I received Christ. I made a choice for following Jesus. Yeah. True spiritual life comes where? From God. It's his work. What is the work of the Holy Spirit? To regenerate. What does that word mean? To give life to the believer. Okay? So it's his doing. So as a part of his family, you live life according to what he's dictating, according to what he says. It's about his family, right? God's household is regulated by certain behavior. It's what it ought to be. And remember, which we need to remember, the household of God is not this structure right here. This is a building. Praise God for a building that's paid off, all that. Great. But this is not the church. This is where we meet. The believers are the church. The believers are the family of God, the children of God. The believers are. So, and, you know, you need to understand, do you know that you're a part of that family? And so we want to help direct you to Jesus, the author of faith. Faith. Be saved. Come to salvation. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul's point is that your behavior is such that it gives evidence of your identity as a child of God. So you know, families. Uh, families look similar. Uh, you look at my family. Some of you have seen my brother. You say, "Man, you're a twin." I didn't know you're a twin, and I say, "Thank you very much." He's older than I am. So well, wait a minute. That's wrong. No. Anyway, some of you got that. Um, so the idea is, families look similar, right? Families are committed to one another. In tough times, who shows up? Family. Okay? There's love. There's love. They're, they're devoted to one another. Families are going to help out with what the father desires. That's the idea of the Church. In family life, everyone learns about serving and sacrificing for others. You know, that, that's a good thing. And that's about growing together. We grow together. It's not like we've all got it together, but we're growing together. And the idea that we're going to help out in a pinch, that's that's showing that we're involved. And and here's a, a, a bit of a struggle that we're having at Parkside is, you know, some people feel like, well, I I can't ever get involved. I can't help out. I'm not good enough. I'm not this enough. Uh, Those kinds of things come to mind. Have you had those thoughts? You know, I want to help encourage in this way of becoming more involved. But also, it's not just on a Sunday morning, it's Sunday through Saturday for you to understand. Yeah, I'm, I'm representing Jesus in my life where I'm at. Is that how you perceive your, your week? You're representative of the living God to our world, to our community. And that's what he lays out here for us. So, We live and we function like God's family would, settled as children of God. Do you see some of the children uh, run around here after church saying, who's my mommy? Who's my daddy? You don't see that. They know, the children know who daddy is. And so that's the idea behind the household of God. Okay? Loving him and then loving one another. Loving him and loving one another. Secondly, the church is the church of the living God. It's the church of the living God. Now, here's another word study that we want to touch on really quickly is now he uses the word ecclesia. Some of you are familiar with that. The word ecclesia is simply the word assembly. Now, Paul was writing to Timothy. Timothy was where? In Ephesus, okay? And Ephesus is a, you know, busy, active city, all right? And so the idea of ecclesia is the term simply to gather or to assemble. And it's like in, in the city of Ephesus, it's like where there is a political gathering. Well, that was an ecclesia, okay? And you could only join in on the assembly if you were a citizen, You know, here's the the citizens coming together to assemble and make a vote or whatever, decide something, right? Well, so it is in the church. As a Christian, you've been called to come together with others and called out also. It's the idea of being called out from the crowd, so to speak, and being set apart. Okay? So... This means, um, so literally, we could say the word "ecclesia" is saying it's about call, being called out or called out ones. You're called out for service to the king. You're called out to leave the ways of the world. You're called out to be living holy lives, godly, in a godly way. Okay. Now, it does not mean sit back ones. It does not mean chill out ones. It does not mean negative ones. It means called out ones. Called out and learning to live to proclaim the the glories and excellencies of Christ in your life. So this now really can indicate, because it's saying it's the church of the living God, this would indicate dynamic living, not static living living. And this is important. I, I, I say this because a lot of us get into the habit of living in a static way. We just sit back and figure, you know, well, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. Isn't that good enough? I mean, I, I, I can sing Amazing Grace and really mean it. Isn't that good enough? And I would say no, because this is the church of the living God. And what is God? God's not dead. It's the church of the living God. And what does the living God want to do in your life? He didn't save you as uh Oh, good grief, now I lost his name. The guy in Texas. There's a there's a an author in Texas, I can't no, never mind. He 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 said he said this basically: God didn't save you to keep you where you were, he saved you to bring about change in your life. He, he saved you to bring change in your life. What kind of change? Christ-likeness. He's not going to leave you where he found you. He's going to take you and allow stuff of life to happen that you don't like to draw out the, the beauty of Christ in you. Right? So, it's about dynamic living. God wants to b- bring about changes in our lives and transform us to the image of his beloved son. Are you hurting and struggling and getting, you feeling like you're getting stretched? Praise God then, if you're his child, you then say, God, please help me to keep my eyes focused on you through this trial. Through this storm, I'll look to you. I'll trust you. And some of you understand that because you've been through plenty of trials, plenty of stretching and difficult times. And yes, he's got more for us. He's got more for us in serving him. He's the living God. Okay. You're his child. If you've come to Christ by faith in Jesus to give him all the glory for what he's done, you're his child. You will continue his good work in you. And this is His goodwill that you continue in this way. Okay, so the phrase points to the fact that He's the living God, and He regenerates those who come to Jesus in faith. Okay, the living God, not the dead one. Okay, and by the way, the church, the the, the New Testament scriptures tell us that. You, as an individual Christian, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. Right? So, when we come to worship, it's not about the building. Yes, the building is helpful, the building's good, and all, but it's more about who resides in you. And are you preparing your heart to worship Him? Because we're the church, the gathering, the assembly of the living God. And really, That's a truth that ought to be enhanced more in our minds so that we'd be excited. The fact that God's alive, God's alive. He's not dead. The world says he's dead. The world pushes him away and says, this is just your fantasy. Give up, man. You know, the guy that, you know, talked with Kevin, you know, it's like, what? You know, looking at him like he's some sort of odd duck from Mars. my friend if you're if you know your identity as a child of god then rejoice that today we've come together as a portion a, a local church body to rejoice in the living god he's at work in you don't don't kick at his work submit your heart yield to him Ask him for wisdom and guidance. Number three, number three, we move on. He he says, he's just, you know, going with these definition or these descriptions, okay? He says, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. So number three, the pillar and support of the truth. It's the ground or the mainstay of it. And so he now shifts to this archaeological terminology. And the idea here is that the people, remember, he's talking about a building to point to a truth about the people of God. Okay? And the people, the church, God's children will promote and protect the truth. That's what he's saying here. It's the church of the living God, the pillar and the support of the truth, specifically the truth. Okay? Now, this is really indicates uh, convictional living. You live by conviction. All of us live by convictions. It's just that we need to learn as Christians, as God's children, we need to learn more and more about biblical, scriptural convictions, and and discern between the you know the things of the world that we get influenced by and what god brings forth in his word so now this it's important to get this in the right order the church is the pillar and support of the truth not the other way around important and there you know here's the uh, the catholic church Their understanding is it's the other way around. It's all about the church. And they decide, here's the truth. No, we don't do that. We understand what Scripture says. Scripture says the pillar and support of the truth. The church is to lift up the truth, to display the truth. And you know what he was referring to here? He he set it up. Who, you remember the letters going to Timothy and Timothy's in Ephesus. What was in Ephesus? Here's the temple of Diana. Now, I don't have a picture for you, but uh, picture a temple in those days. Okay? And you know what? The whole structure had what surrounding it? Uh, it's pillars. Pillars surrounded the, these big temples. So here's the hundreds of, uh, uh, you know, almost a hundred Pillars or columns holding this temple up so that people could come and worship a, a woman, Diana. A mythological fi, uh, figure, mythological. Interesting, you know, she, she's held up as the, the goddess of, of the moon and the goddess of the, the hunt. I know some of you hunters are out there going, well, wait a minute, you said the hunt? Yes, she's known as the, the goddess of the huntress. How do they say that? Yeah. And, you know, she's more of a, you know, kind of a moxie kind of figure, I guess, you know. But the, the, the thing that Paul is doing here is taking what they're so familiar with, with a, the, seeing the temple. They didn't have TV back then. They didn't have movies back then. They here, here's this structure that's just incredible, and everyone's you know, like, wow, yeah, that's I don't live in that kind of a mansion, you know. And yet here's Paul taking this visual, if you will, and helping us to understand. The terms illustrate lifting up. It illustrates undergirding. It illustrates protection. All those things. With pillars and a building. Or uh, the the idea of a support, the pillar and support of the truth. And really, a lot of times it's separated like two separate things. And really, it's supposed to be together. The pillar and support of the truth. So, yes, elders and deacons are, you, you know, especially the elders must be able both to exhort in sound doctrine the truth and to refute those who contradict the truth And even silence rebellious men from Titus chapter one, uh, empty talkers and deceivers. That's the job of the elders. But you know what? This is talking about the church. You and I as believers together are the church. And do we support and do we protect the truth? Do you? Are you learning the truth of the word of God? Or you wait Sunday after Sunday for more of the word of God to be taught to you. you. You need to be in the truth more and more so that you'll know. And that's the idea. We've got a sign, one of the little signs we have in the office. Be like the Bereans. They heard from the Apostle Paul the truth of God, but they, what do they do? They say, well, that's the Apostle Paul, but let's go and let's search out the scriptures ourselves. See, that's good. That's upholding the truth. You're, you're seeking after truth. So the Bible tells us when it comes to truth, the Bible says, seek for the truth. The word of God is the truth. John 17, 17. The Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. John chapter 16. Psalm 86 verse 11 says, uh, teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. See, it it's not to have us wait around for some crisis to happen that, oh, man, now we need to go to God. Now we need to understand his truth. But see, that's how many of us respond to life. We're happy in our life, comforted in our life, and then crisis happens. Oh, let's go to God. What happened at 9-11? Right? Remember, 9-11? Some of us forget How many people rush to talking about religion and about God? Some even pointing at God. Where is God in this crisis? Blaming God. See, we're lost sheep, so much of it, you know, and we need a shepherd. And for those of you who have put faith in Jesus Christ, you've been brought into the sheepfold. And you know what? In the sheepfold, guess what happens? Not everyone runs to the Savior. Not everyone runs to the good shepherd. We still manage to drift and wander, even in the fold. So, seek after truth. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Now, with this in mind, listen, we've had a a lot of uh, people that we know of, maybe in our lives, who take the truth and use it to clobber people. You know some of those people? It's like they've got the... The bat of truth, and they, they, they will use it, and they, they can tend to clobber people with it. you know that little game that you see the little heads bop bumping and you bop the, you know it's like that's what I, I envision. sometimes people use the truth in that way. don't be caught that way, Christian don't be bopping people with the truth like that. and the reason I say that is look at Colossians three. Just turn, you're, you're in First Timothy, turn back um, to your left a little bit with Colossians chapter 3. Look at what Colossians 3 verse 12 says. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. And let the word of Christ richly dwell in you. Look at that. With all wisdom. So as you're saying, I want truth in my life. I want to seek truth. I want to know the word of God. Then ask God for his wisdom. So there's times when you don't know who you're dealing with. So you're, you're thinking, is this person a believer that I'm talking to? They might be a baby infant believer. How are you going to handle that? They might not be saved at all. They might be uh, talking with you from a perspective of God does not exist. God is dead. So how are you going to respond, Christian? It's not, it doesn't mean that now is the time to, to check out and don't share the truth. You want to be planting seeds of the word of God in, in his life or her life, just like in, with believers. You want to plant seeds of the truth in the lives of believers in your life. It might be that you're dealing with a young Christian, not a baby infant Christian, but a young Christian or a mature Christian. Take that into consideration. Understand that. So that's a little bit about the, the pillar and support of the truth. This is the church, friends. This is the church, the people of God, the children of God, the body of Christ. Number four, it's all about Jesus and his gospel. It's all about Jesus and his gospel. Look at verse 16. We come to the last verse in chapter 3. He says, you're back in First Timothy chapter 3. He says, by common confession, by common confession, this is what every Christian ought to have down. Yeah, this is our common confession. What is? That's what he's going into in verse 16. Great is the mystery of godliness. What is that? It's not a mystery, by the way. It's not a mystery. It is a mystery, but. To you who are saved, it's no longer a mystery. Why? Because you know why the Messiah came. You know why Jesus came. He's now Lord of Lords. He's gone up to heaven and he sits at the right hand of God. He's he's accomplished it. And so here's this issue of it's all about his person and his work, the gospel. Okay? And he calls it the great... Uh, great is the mystery of godliness because what once was concealed is now what? Revealed in Christ. So this would indicate radical living. You say, okay, you lost me there. I'm not into radical. You know what? Then you're not listening and reading in the Gospels about Jesus. You need to read about Jesus and what he said because what Jesus said in that culture and in our culture, is radical. It's radical. So this is the idea behind the gospel. It indicates radical living. And Paul quotes these lines from one of the hymns that they must have had. In verse 16, he quotes one of these as it, it were a hymn of praise that summarizes his person and his work. So when we look at verse 16, what you ought to look at and see is, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's verse 16. It's the foundation of our faith. Jesus Christ reveals God in human flesh. That's the idea he starts with in this first line. Look at it. He who was revealed in the flesh. You know what? Another word for that is incarnation. There's the incarnation. Okay? And the, the next one is he was vindicated by the Spirit. All the various events of Christ's life, the Holy Spirit bore witness to them all. His baptism in the River Jordan, the miracles. Here's the, the Mount of Transfiguration and showing forth his glory. In essence, that the Holy Spirit verified all these things. And especially at his resurrection, turn to Romans chapter one, Romans chapter one, verse three and four, it says that concerning his son, Paul's writing, starting opening in this letter to the Romans concerning his son in verse three, who was born of a descendant of David, according to the flesh. This is not some mystical thing. It's according to the flesh. He was born. And verse 4, who was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead according to the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Romans 1 three through 4. Okay? So, vindicated by the Spirit. It all uh, serves to be authentication of His divinity. He's truly God. Number 3, It's uh, seen by his angels, okay? You see that? Seen by angels. That's really referring to his ascension, leaving in Acts chapter 1 and moving on up to heaven, all right? The exaltation of Christ there. And then the second part, if the first part serves as uh, basically the, the foundational stuff, The foundation of the gospel. Here's the mission of the gospel. Look at it. It Goes on to say, proclaimed among the nations. How are people going to hear? And how far has the name of Jesus traveled, spread throughout the entire world? That's what we're trying to do in missionary work and in supporting missions. And Steve Bauman, where he's at, most of you know, I won't say it for the tape recording or whatever, but... Here's the thing. His work is given towards getting the word out in some of these remote mountains in some of these far-off countries. Okay? And here's the... We're supporting His work. but Also, what about right here? You being a missionary, you serving the Lord in this way to pass along the gospel that we say we live by. Will we share the gospel with someone right next door or at work? Will we share the gospel with somebody else and point them to how Jesus has saved you? Okay. Proclaimed among the nations. The church is, the, is God's means and method for the people of the nations to hear the good news. Then the next one, believed on in the world. Here's the response to the gospel. Belief, have faith. The ongoing fulfillment of his redemptive plan. Believing in the Lord Jesus Christ is the most important decision that you can do. Those who will believe will be pardoned, will be forgiven, will be justified and adopted into God's family and reconciled with God, made right with him. Have you been made right with God? Please don't leave this morning without getting made right with God. If you're here and you don't believe, you're not right with God if you don't believe. And so we want to implore you, come to faith in Jesus Christ. Then the final one, taken up in glory. Here's what we praise God for. It signifies the reason why we proclaim Christ. Here's the climactic exaltation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 2, verse 11. I'm sorry, verse 9 and 10. That God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He's finished his work He cried that out from the cross. It's his perfect work. He's now exalted the triumphant king. He's conquered sin and death and hell. And he will return again. And all of humanity will be judged in light of his work. Will you stand and say, look at what I've done, God. Or will you stand saying, look at what my savior has done. It's all about Jesus. What does our community see? Does our community see pillars with your design on the pillar? Or does our community see pillars, if you will, with the design of Jesus, with his truth being displayed, being promoted? The more that we grow in the scriptures, the more that we can shine forth and display the truth of God in our community. This is what the church is about. A lot of people want to say the church ought to be like a hospital. I agree with that. A church ought to be like a hospital to help people get, you know, made right with God and and healed. You know, the church is a a lot of names. You know, we've mentioned family. The church is to be a family. And we need to show the love of Christ to one another as he's loved us, as he's forgiven us. Are we ready to do that? But the church is also to uphold and protect the truth. And that's where a lot of churches are failing. They're kind of skirting the truth. They're pushing it aside saying, that's not, you know, we don't want to be so offensive. Let's just talk about the positive things. And I want to be positive. I want to be an encourager, but you know what? When we go through just a letter like First Timothy, there's a lot of issues. We can't just skirt and push aside because we don't like them. We need to deal with it. God help us to be faithful in this, right? And help each one of us in our lives to be faithful and shining forth and displaying the truth uh, that Jesus lives. That he's alive. And help us to be trusting him. I want you to stand and uh, we're going to close with just a, a simple little chorus and just our voices. Let's stand together. You know what? Just like uh, Paul kind of alluded to the temple in Ephesus, that it was uh, really lifting up and displaying a mythological goddess. Well, we don't do that here. We want to we want to put on display and exalt the living God, because we're the church of the living God. And so let's rejoice in that, and let's you know lift up christ i'll try my best to start with a a good note here we're going to just sing